0: How's my mic? This is my travel mic.
1: You're great. We are live.
0: <laughs> it's my travel mic. We're, we're, we haven't had time to prepare. I'm traveling. I'm in my new setup, right? I'm in my hotel. I'm right across the street from the beach. I'm about to go surfing in a, you know, like tomorrow morning, and we're live.
1: You look so beach ready. You look absolutely I am, beach
0: ready. I am, very, I am very beach ready, and so is my uh, setup that is just going absolutely <laughs> the first day. We are. Uh, so we are live. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Can I take you out while you get yourself together <laughs> and then bring you back in? <laughs> <laughs> no, folks, we are live. It's another edition of CISO Thursdays, breaking into cybersecurity. I'm Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, helping awesome leaders hire great talent. I'm here with my another brother from another mother. I feel like (laughs) he is right now. (laughs) James Asar. Say hi to the people.
0: (laughs) What's up LinkedIn world? It's so nice to be, uh, I missed last week and it felt like something was missing from my soul.
1: Something was totally missing from your soul. We, We missed you. We've been missing everyone, but it's the beginning of the summer and we know how Everyone's schedules are getting kind of crazy, um, but super excited to have you back and super excited to talk about you know our topic today, which is going to be Ask Me Anything. So yeah, an AMA. let's do it. Yeah, so we're we're open to all questions, comments, all that kind of stuff. We just want to be here, be a resource. I'll kick it off because I I've been having some talks with people, in security and outside of security, when it comes to um, hiring, Uh and we've all collectively. It's it's very interesting because outside of some of the security work that I'm doing, I'm also doing some developers, you know, some just other IT stuff recently, Um, and it's the same thing that's been going on when it comes to hiring. So people who've been in the space for a long time, they're kind of questioning why it's so hard when it comes to hiring, applying, and how leaders seem to want very, very, very specific things. And, you know, a few years ago, um, and I've seen this evolve as well a few years ago, you know, you would know of technologists, if they have, like, if they have a certain development, um, as a software developer, for example, they have one skill set, you know they can pick up the other the others, right? So, your Java, we figure you can pick up C-sharp. If you're, you know, um, Python, we figure you pick up other things. And so it's so, like, very, very, very specific, um, which is what we talk about all the time in security, but it's kind of interesting as I'm hearing it more and more in these other spaces too. And I was just curious to find out if, you know, what, what you've seen, what your thoughts are, and... Um, it just overall, like this evolution of wanting these very specific things, juxtaposing the whole, um, uh, you know, media and people, you know, organizations like ISC Square, or whatever, saying we want more, we don't have enough tech talent, we don't have enough people, and you have all these people who can't get into new opportunities because leaders are just so niche and so, so, so specific.
0: So I think what you're talking about is it's, it's you asked a very loaded question, right? So thanks for bringing me in. I'm still on vacation. I figured we were going to get some easy stuff, you know, like, hey, James, what's the weather in Israel like, you know? What hotel are you staying in? That? No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. No, no. It's, a, it's, a, it's a great, it's, it's a, it's a be a be great loaded
1: question. question.
0: It's it's a great loaded question. I've, I've, I've got some color, too, by the way, from the sun. I don't know if you can tell. The lighting is fantastic. really bad, but. Yeah. But, uh, yes, I am. I am. You're kind of
1: toasty there.
0: I am. I'm a bit toasty, but let's get to your loaded, loaded question, which is why is it so hard? And a lot of it has to do with the fact that in most scenarios, when people want to hire for a role internally, they've got three candidates to ready for, and so you're applying. And think of a Microsoft position or Google, right? Think of any of the big, big tech companies. Thousands of people apply for one opening. People have alerts set up just so that they can get a job at a Google, at a Microsoft, at a Facebook, at a, you know, I don't know who would want to work for Twitter, but some people do and so they go there. But, you know, realistically you're you're looking at these roles that are being defined that are a lot of times being, there's already kind of like a candidate in mind for that specific role. And so people see that role and they need to apply for that role and HR requires you to do a screening and check other candidates. And I think that's the problem we, we've got today is we're posting these roles where we know, we know we have someone in mind for it. We've got to do the HR thing and interview people for, for the job and then people get frustrated and they go, I don't understand why you're doing it if you knew all along you were going to hire Matt to do this.
1: But I right. think that's been happening for a
0: while. Yeah, but but it, security is very se- security isn't any different from any other role, right? right? When you think of like a marketing role or a sales role, people right. have people in mind who they go, okay, right. I want to, I want to talk. I, you know, I, I only you know want X person. Like Renee, you're a recruiter. How many times does CISOs come to you or CIOs or CTOs yeah. and say, "Hey, Renee, I want you know um, David." go get yeah. me david and your job right. is to go and get david open having a conversation bringing him in through the interview process so that he can get the role i mean right like that's just i mean that's just the the bottom line of it and what's happening is there's so much going on in security today and there's so much noise and there's so much fluff going around that people are missing the main aspects of what we need to do What we need to do is hire good people with potential, not hire people with a ton of experience, because I can teach anyone cyber. I can't teach potential. I can't build potential. You've either got it or you don't.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's what what's what's more interesting to me. So security and, you know, tech, the broader technology space is that I've seen this, you know, I've been at this almost like twenty years, so yeah, marketing, finance, everybody you know sometimes people have people slated or they they know, okay, I'm in a company, I would love to have somebody from these three companies or someone that's coming out of these shops because I know that you know I know what they I know the skills over there, I know the skill set, I know the the environment is similar, and all that stuff um but it just seems like it's gotten worse or more stringent or, and, and like the trickle down, like it's been, and I, I don't know if it's because of social, so you're hearing more of it, like if it was always like this, and then with social media, there's more talk about it, so you hear it more and more, or it's just gotten more and more niche, which I feel like it's gotten.
0: I think, I, I think the, the, the amount of people that still apply for cyber jobs is still there. Um <laughs> But 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 again, the challenge we have in cybersecurity today is an entry level roles, and we've got some comments here, and some of them are all about you know yeah, entry level roles, and we'll get to those in just a minute. So, you know, right. ha- hang tight. But uh, the challenge we have is that mid range, mid level,
1: right roles
0: that we're trying to fill. That, that's that's where we all struggle: hiring yeah. a director of incident response or hiring a director of vulnerability management. or hiring a director of security operations that's where i'm struggling to hire people right
1: yeah and
0: that's where i'm getting maybe you know 30 cvs for a job opening within the first 24 48 hours which is really really low right really low it's 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 like you don't have enough people and here's the thing about this post-covid Every company's hiring remote, no one's hiring local anymore. People aren't saying, you have to move to here to work for me. You can be anywhere and work from anywhere. We're at that point. I think part of the challenge of what you're seeing today is one, there's this misconception. This misconception is there's 3.7 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs (laughs) somewhere out there in cyberspace that someone in security that sells a bunch of clicks decided to put out there And some people who want to make money off of that use that click in order to get you to spend your hard-earned money from something else to get in a career in a security. The problem is they're not really properly identifying you. So think of it like this. When you go into the military, when you enlist, you go through something called the ASFATs. The ASFATs essentially is a competency test to see what jobs you can do in the military. Just because you want to be a pilot doesn't mean you get to be a pilot. Right. right. You've got to score specifics. You've got to test and score a specific uh, grade in order to be, you know, even considered to be a pilot. Otherwise, you know, you may end up being an artillery guy, a communications person, an intelligence, right. whatever, you know, all, all kinds of other roles. Right. We don't do that in cyber and we should be doing it in cyber. What's your competency? Right. Like, why don't we have a test that says, Renee takes the test and it goes. Renee, you know what? Your personality isn't technical. You're really more around, along the compliance side. So mm-hmm. we're going to groom you into a boot camp to understand governance, risk, and compliance. Yeah, right. And that's going to be where you're going to go, and that's going to be your career. And you're going to start off as an analyst in GRC, right. and you're going to then become an auditor, and then you're going to become a director. And, or, or a group manager and then you'll be a director and then you'll be a vp and at some point you'll run a grc program for an organization right okay. like that's your career path here's your 15 year career path and yep. you're going to start at earning 75 to hundred thousand dollars a year and when you reach the top of your career path you're probably going to be making four to five hundred thousand plus you know including all your bonuses and perks yeah that's your career path we don't we don't do that in cyber everyone is Okay, become a red teamer, be be a hacker,
1: right? right.
0: And it's just like that's being automated today.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. It really is. So good, co- couple of comments here. Um, I do. I've actually been in in talks with a person who has a startup that is actually working on something like this. So he's working on creating um, assessments specifically in. Um, Insecurity, which I'm really, really excited about. I don't think I, I can't get into detail much about it yet, but it's coming. So, um, I'm glad I'm seeing people from YouTube. Woohoo! So, please continue to subscribe to our YouTube channel, um, and connect from there. So, hey, Zoe, Zoe says, Hey, David says, Happy Thursday, y'all. Happy Thursday, David. Um, Jimmy says, "Hey," and David's question is real tall question. Usefulness, relevance, taken seriousness of platforms like Hack the Box and Try Hack Me for foundational skills by the industry itself.
0: I, I mean, it all just depends on what you're doing, right? So, Hack the Box or Try Hack Me—it just depends on on your accomplishments there. I think the challenge you have is most people who who use the platforms don't want us to use it as a measuring stick for people to come in because so many people are on the platform. And so unless you're ranked really, unless you score really high, you're not going to be in the top 10. So if you say, Hey, I'm ranked 180 on try hat on hack the box. You're out of how many, right? That, that doesn't look good on anyone's CV, right? Like, You've never heard of the top, you know, two hundred songs. It's typically the top forty, right? <laughs> like no one cares about the top. Like if I told you what's the forty-one song that didn't make it into the top forty, you wouldn't know. No one would know, right? And so I think part of part of that is 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 that challenge within itself is that for a lot of people it doesn't look good on the CV uh, to you know to put their ranking and hack the box or try to hack me because you know I'm gonna go look it up and when I go look it up then I'm going to see, you know, your mid-pack, and some people think that's going to hurt their chances, because everyone thinks they need to be a superstar. They need to be a high performer to get a job, and that's the other problem, right? It's that mindset that if you're not a top performer, that we're probably not going to hire you, so we're setting up this false expectation. It's like, you know, people who like to run track, you don't have to be, you know, Olympic runner to run track. You can just someone who enjoys running, go run, right? Right. Like, have a good time.
1: Yeah, and from what I've seen, David, is I will um, double down on what James said in terms of it depends on the role. In some some roles, I had a role a year or so ago, uh, maybe a year and a half, where they asked me to look for people in certain platforms, like a hack the box, or try hacking like, hey, go pull off the people who are US that have, that are in that top, you know, and it was more than 40, it was, it was you know, top, how many of a hundred? But I think that's few and far between that, that person was looking for someone who was entry level and said, hey, and you know, and I asked, I can't remember the role, but I was like, where do you find these people? He's like, oh, go go here and pluck some people off and see where they land. And one person got hired from being in that, you know, relatively, you know, the top 200 or so or 150. Um, So I have seen it work. I have seen a person get hired in that space. It was a smaller company. It wasn't a larger company. Um, So it depends on what I usually look at is the education like your own level of experience that you're going to get from doing something like this. So when you talk about for foundational skills um by the industry, you know, the learning, the process, the being able to not maybe not necessarily the ranking per se, but being able to talk to what you did, why you did it, how you thought you would be able to solve the problem. If you didn't come in high, why not? You know, just the the whole experience because that's really I think one of the things that leaders look for a lot is the actual that I did something like it's not theory. It's, yeah. I actually put hands to keyboard. I did it either. I, I, you know, either I was really successful or I wasn't. Why, if you weren't successful, why not? And what would you do differently? So um, that's why I would look. And then David um, is following up assessment and quote strengths sound much more useful, like a disc profile for the skill type use, um, to the industry yeah
0: i mean I mean, disc profiles are are, are a good idea I'd, i just you know i'd rather stay away from a disc profile and rather look at people for for what their passion is right so where are they going to be really good and where are they going to have the passion to do the job um, how many how many of us know someone who wanted to be something went to college came out of college and was like yeah i'm not doing this shit anymore <laughs> <laughs> right like it's not for me but they've just spent you know $80,000 on a liberal arts degree and now they're a barista at Starbucks making you know 14 an hour you know making mochas you know slum mochas you know for for you know some people like and, and, and again I love baristas don't get me wrong but at the same time like you know you don't go and get a liberal arts degree to learn how to make coffee
1: so in terms of the assessments, I'm a huge proponent of assessments for self-evaluation. So understanding yourself and understanding kind of like what James was talking about with where you fall in. Like when, when if you see the flashy um, ads that say, oh, become a cybersecurity professional and pen test all day. And but you're, you're really, really good at, you know, doing documentation or something else. That's where I think understanding and knowing yourself and doing, you know, either the strengths finder or the disc assessments or those types of um, tests or what reading the book, what color is my parachute, things like that, where you're understanding you so that when you ask somebody, hey, what does a pen tester do? and they explain it, you're like, mm, yeah, that's not the right fit for me. So, understanding yourself, I think, is just so, so very important. And I think those assessments are helpful for that purpose. Um, more than anything else. So Zoe says here, being active on TriHackMe has been beneficial for me as an entry level person in my job search, because interviewers have said to me that it shows interest in the field and my ability to self teach, and that's from her personal experience.
0: No, and that's true. But you know, going to what David's point was, should that be an industry? Should the industry accept that as something? Mm -hmm. And no, when you tell me I'm on, you know, hack the box, I go wonderful or try hack me. I'm like, great. You, you have a, you're trying to learn, you have a passion for this. You're, you know, you're going through the steps, respect, right. Mm -hmm. But, but it's, it's not going to be, you know, kind of the the cert per se.
1: Right. So David says, that's the quote, what I was looking for with these questions as I'm quote, reinventing my geek services and trying to come up with a method of presenting that skill set and those services without the depth of 20 years of operations experience and 13 years in communications slash writing to back up on that same resume slash document.
0: Look, David, I will tell you, for people like you that are coming into a mid-career switch, your cover letter is probably going to be more important than your resume. Because your cover letter, to me at least, is going to have a lot more in it than just what your job is and what your experience is. It's kind of like why we should even, you know, give you a chance. And I'm going to go back saying it. Make a one-minute video, David. You're a communication major, an operation guy. You know, make a one-minute video. Attach the link to your cover letter and say, before you look at my resume, please watch this 60-second video. It'll let you know exactly who I am. And that's where you would put it all in. And I think that's how you're going to break down barriers. I think that's how you're going to get through some of the stuff that, you know, Renee kind of kicked us off with, which is why are, am I not getting a chance? And I think, you know, I posted a job a month ago, you know, for an entry-level position with us. We had, you know, hundreds of resumes come through, hundreds. And, and you've got to evaluate all of those. And, and it's hard work. It's really mm-hmm. hard work. And the ones that we ended up calling in were the ones that showed us that they invested in applying for the job and they invested. They had either video. Some of them have actually listened to CISO Thursdays and said, hi, this is my cover letter. Hashtag CISO Thursdays. I was listening you know, to the show <laughs> oh, and, awesome. you know, here's, um, here's my video. And the people with good videos or even bad videos got interviewed because if they had a bad interview, they had a bad video. We wanted to let them know, like, hey, your video is not very good, right? Like, you should probably improve it. Here is the things you should do. And if they have really good videos, we interview them, like, you know. And bad video wasn't like, hey, you produced it really bad. Bad video was like, you know, you are you are speaking very low. You are very monotone. You are, you know, you are not saying the right things that that we need to hear in the video to get people to really give you a shot.
1: And to add to what um, James is saying, just the networking component, that's, you know, being on that inside, being being the person that people call or that people think of when the leaders, when James is saying, you know, leaders always have a couple people that they would love to have those people first. So they're yep. thinking about those folks first. Now, granted, David, if you're on that list, if James is like, oh, I, I'm looking for recruiters and I need help, you know, the first person I'm reaching out to is Renee. And then i'm like well sorry james i can't do it and then he's like okay then i'll go down to my list of like two to three more people and if all of them don't fit then maybe he'll put it out to his network so it kind of goes like that it's like this little nucleus and then it goes out um but a lot of times you know you're at the top of some what you want to be is at the top of somebody's list of go-to people like oh that's the kind of person that i would want on my team um, and how you get to that point is through the networking, the videos, the you know, right. the volunteering through organizations and all that other stuff. So, tons of more other comments. Andrew said, "I just went through a boot camp for cybersecurity and trying to get my foot in the door." Well, Andrew, good luck. You're in the right place, where we. By talk the way, about when you go to
0: boot camps, ask them what relationships they have to get your foot in the door.
1: That is. Someone true.
0: says we don't we don't help you interview. We don't get you job interviews. We don't get you hired. Look for a different boot camp.
1: Don't do it. Um, yep.
0: Yeah, don't do it. You're 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 literally investing your money on on nothing. Uh, it's knowledge you can get on your own. You don't need a boot camp.
1: I wholeheartedly agree and I double down on that when it comes to degree programs as well. The assessment should be where are your graduates, you know, one year or six months after graduation, where have they what jobs are they getting? Are they getting jobs in the field? What kind of salaries are they, what kind of salaries are they making? Um, what are the job titles? And if they can't answer you or they don't know or whatever, I would strongly (laughs) be looking at other programs. Because the whole purpose of paying this for boot camps, for uh, um, degree programs in particular, is like you're doing it to get a job. And it's a whole different ballgame if you're doing it just for knowledge. If you're in your company and you know you're not looking for an external job and you just want to get extra knowledge um, for potentially moving within the company or you know personal learning, that's different. But if you're going to school in any capacity and your end goal is to get a job, you want to know from these people who from your program are getting jobs, where are they getting the jobs, how much are they making, all that good stuff. So agree 100% with James. Okay, John says... John Essento finally made it back to the G stock. Passed my CompTIA ITF plus onto Sec plus at the end of the month. Um, then Net plus. I know it's a backwards path, but the opportunity presented themselves that way.
0: Go for it, John. Don't yeah. stop, buddy. Awesome. Keep at it.
1: It sounds awesome, awesome, awesome. Um Andrew was saying uh, my view is to keep your mind open to learning on daily on the daily because everything in computer cha- computers changes be consistent and willing to learn new skills. agree agree agree. Okay. Um Humor says, Sean here, yeah, I prefer actual courses to learn. Currently, cyber Cyberary Sock Endless course is my endeavor. Also going to start Range Force Account to learn a liberal arts ins and outs of position. <laughs> <laughs> liberal <laughs> arts is key. Learn how to learn.
0: <laughs> or, or just, you know, learn how to learn. Isn't that what high school is for?
1: Free, what bro. is high what they- school
0: for if it's not teaching you to learn how to learn? Why you gotta spend eighty thousand dollars on a degree to learn how to learn?
1: I mean, that we'll we'll go down a whole different path if we're talking about yeah, life. let's
0: go down that I mean, path well, because that path is like why? the ultimate thievery of, of the
1: it country. is it is thievery. I mean, it's disgusting, it's absolutely it makes no sense for people to come out of school right now and with a degree in what is supposed to be a skill. That's a quote hot skill in a market where the jobs are abound and you can't get there's more opportunity out there than anyone can ever imagine. And you can't walk into a position. There's no path. And it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, um, you know, it's, it's kind of sad and sad. So, um, Sean says, finally got my resume complete. Woohoo! Turned it into t- uh, 2021 and 2021, 221 and 2021. We are going to try to make that happen, my friend. Um, Andrew says a video. Now that's a great idea. I never thought of that. Yeah. We have been big on videos. I mean, um, Andrew, you may have not been here at the beginning of the year, I believe, or the end of last year when we did one of these. And James recommended that everyone kind of put together a one or two minute video, explain who they are, why a, a leader should hire them, why they be an asset to someone's organization. And so many people got hired. One young lady got how many, jo- I mean, three, four job offers in like a day, one to two days, Um, it's so, so very important to do that, to show your personality um, by doing videos. So if you can, I mean, it works, period. Um, Sean, again, says so many free resources. Um, David says, thank you guys for taking the time to roll through all of that in a single run through. Extremely grateful for all the help you guys have been giving the community. You're welcome, David. Absolutely. Always good stuff. It's always great to see you here and hear about what you're doing and all your progress. So that's awesome. Um, Andrew Vincent is at Full Stack Academy. I have I have, um, you know, interacted with some of the folks at Full Stack Academy. Um, Again, you just got to make sure that they're getting people jobs, that that 20, whatever the number is. I don't know what they're charging, but whatever that that fee is that you're getting um, results And the end result is job offers, (laughs) period. And Robert's comment is, I just love to learn, which is so necessary when it comes to security.
0: Uh, I think any job, right? Like you should have a passion to learn. Um, You never know everything. And if you think you are, you're complacent and you're going to be out of a job. Um, You've got to be constantly learning, constantly studying, constantly hungry, Uh, And it's got to be something you want to do all the time. If you don't, don't, you know, like I said, a barista in Starbucks doesn't really have to change much of their experience. Uh, Coffee and espressos are made the same way. The machine does them. Just the recipe is a little different.
1: (laughs) Poor baristas.
0: (laughs) I love baristas. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, I mean, it's cliche, but it's true. It's cliche, but it's true. A lot of people go and, get, you know, uh, it, it's it's very interesting because, you know, I haven't been in a Starbucks in three years, but I go to, like, my local coffee shop when I do. And when I speak to people who are behind the counter, you know, they're either students and the people who, who have actually graduated with a degree, you know, in a history degree. And I'm like, why would you study history? Well, I enjoy history. I'm like, well, why not read a book? Why make a degree out of it? Because now you can't get a job. Yeah. You know, you've got a BA in American history or 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 world history, and you're you know you're making coffee for people that you didn't need to be in debt to do that. Right.
1: I cannot disagree. There has to so, be a path. I mean, that's the if same. That's major. the same with boot camps. Yeah, with certain Rightly. majors, there has to be a path. You know, people who do, you know you you just have to have. An understanding of what you want, what the end result is. So, if you're going to be a history major because you're going to go and get a master's in, you know, something else, then that's great Um, for a career in X. But just doing it for the sake of, ooh, you know, we're doing it. That's a problem. Looks like we're having some issues on LinkedIn streaming. Um, They're saying this might be on LinkedIn's end. LinkedIn's had
0: some issues with uh, LinkedIn Live.
1: What's going on?
0: I don't know. I had an issue with my live feed this morning as well.
1: Yeah. It's saying please check LinkedIn and ensure the stream looks okay, which it doesn't. We look good and frozen and people are leaving. Oh, we're live again. Okay. (laughs) 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 Soon as I was about to restart this thing.
0: That's why we go to YouTube. That's why go to YouTube, yep. subscribe, watch this, YouTube well. watch this on YouTube as well.
1: Watch us on YouTube because LinkedIn is struggling right now. It looks like they're good for now. I'm looking at the video, but it seems definitely like there are some, um, definitely having some challenges. They're saying we're live, but I'm not I'm not getting the live stream as I check. Let me check on my phone. It's not saying that it's live. Um, so, yeah. Oh, Zoe says everything's good on YouTube. Woohoo. All right, Zoe. Perfect. Everything's good on YouTube. So what have you all been seeing? You know, we this is an AMA. Ask us anything. And we want to hear, you know, positives, negatives, your frustrations, what you're seeing in the marketplace. As I talk to people, like I was saying to James earlier, I've gotten some really, really talented people who, you know, are just frustrated. And these are people in jobs. So this is this is also a little bit interesting too because it's one thing to be outside and trying to break in, and it's another thing to be in a job looking for another one, and um, getting some some frustrating feedback in that space too. The interviewing processes seem to be long and convoluted. Um, I think I, I think the the vibe I'm feeling is like a 2008 recession vibe. That's what I'm getting a lot of from the candidate perspective. I'm hearing, you know, people like, what do these people really want? <laughs> like that kind mm-hmm. of, a, that I'm getting that kind of response. And it's consistent. And it's with people with, you know, a lot, like 10 years experience, people with like two, year, four years experience. Um, so I was just, anytime I hear a consistent theme over you know a number of candidates, it's always something to take pause and wonder. Like okay, clearly this is not and not not one company. It's multiple different companies, um, and you know some of the rubs have been these these very uh, long um, interviewing processes that have been happening. And I remember them from years ago, like these. These quote-unquote gauntlets and you know all of these rounds and rounds and rounds. I think I was on Twitter the other day that someone put. I think it was Zoom, for example. I think I think it might have been Zoom. I think that was the company. I'm not sure, but someone went through kind of eight rounds of interviews and got turned down at the end, and the person was really just disappointed and frustrated that they went through all that.
0: Um, but, but that's the that, that here's the thing though. If you, if you want something that's for sure. Like I, I don't know that we can solve an interview, and you didn't get the job type of stuff. Yeah, that's part of you know. People play all year long, you know, in sports to make it to a championship game and then end up losing. So does that mean that they shouldn't try? Right. Does that mean you should give up?
1: No, I'm with you. I I always look at it from obviously. So it's the it's the candidate experience and it's the the interviewer. Now, if the if Zoom, for example, got a bunch of people to go through that process and people felt good about most people felt good about it and they hire who they want to hire, then that's great. But if if it's the other way around and people are either falling off or they don't want to do, go through these process, you know, whatever it is that they put them through, then that's always, for me, it's a, it's a bit about the process. The end result is they're not going to have 15, you know, they don't have jobs to give to everybody. So somebody is going to, quote, lose. Somebody's not going to get that job. Um, but I'm just curious about the the whole process and how that's working. So
0: out so, so l- let me get something here. And, and I kind of want to take this to a positive direction. We're often talking about a lot of challenges, but I want to go to the positive <laughs> side of stuff for just a little bit. OK, the, the, the positive aspect to a lot of this is this. When we're hiring people, we interview a lot of people. We do. We, we interview a whole ton of people. And there are people who we go back to who we said no to three, four months ago and we'll shoot them an email or pick up the phone and say, Hey, are you still looking? Have you found a role? Are you happy at what you found or did you just do something because you needed to make the money? Cause you got to support your family. You got to support, you know, your life, whatever. And we go back and we bring these people back in if we, we want them, if they were good enough. Okay. That's the one thing is a lot of times people are, are sitting around waiting. They're um, thinking, okay, I'm so impressive. I'm so sharp. I should get this in two interviews. <laughs> you don't want to work for an organization that hires you within two interviews. Because onboarding is going to be like, just like that. Your experience with that organization is going to identical to that. The people who you work with are going to be just two interview people. Um, <laughs> Those are an eight. A- Am I saying something? I totally well,
1: disagree.
0: <laughs> really? Why do you disagree? So also well, I'm I'm interested. Why? Tell me. Uh, how, you know, second, help me understand why.
1: Okay. So is the second interview just one person? Well, depends on the size of the company. But if it's a is the second interview one person or is it multiple people in that second interview?
0: And let's say it's one person. You do HR, you do hiring manager, you get a job offer.
1: It has to be really junior. It has to be
0: really junior. See, so now we're getting into semantics.
1: G- kind of, yeah. So yeah, right. I, I get that. You know, I, I'm thinking I'm, outside of HR. So I'm thinking two interviews like manager one, manager two, or manager one and panel of managers.
0: I hate panel of manager interviews, by the way. Hate them, yeah. hate them, hate them. I think that's the worst thing on the planet. Why? I, I don't like them. I think they create unnecessary stress for someone.
1: Fascinating. It,
0: I think when you put four, three to four people on a, on a, on, on a panel to interview someone, you're, you're, it's almost like having six people on a panel at a conference. No one has any time to ask any questions. No one gets the point across. Everyone's trying, you know, you're, you, you have no flow. There's no rhythm. You're not uncomfortable you're, you feel like you're constantly under the gun. I won't do panel interviews. I don't, I refuse to do it. Like if, you know, if someone offered me a position several months ago and said, hey, James, it's great. You know, next up is a panel. I, was like, I don't do panel interviews. I'm, I'm not doing ping pong.
1: So Zoe says, uh, so I I think panel interviews are, I think when they're done well yes. and they're not overwhelming, so three people, I think they're great. Because I think you get, I think if everyone takes the the, the, pers- the question that they're supposed to have, if you're assessing for a certain set of skills, and you're taking the question that you are supposed to ask, um, and you can all kind of assess the person as they're answering these questions, then you get three people's different perspective or four people. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of four, but
0: three how, people. But how I- relevant is it? because like what are
1: you going through okay so you just said this is good because you just said all right you don't want to do a two person two person interviews that that's going to be a two person company two person all of this stuff right so but then what, what
0: I, have- I said hang on, don't put words in my mouth what i said is if you a company and they give you two total interviews and they hire you and give you a job offer right then and there you should be questioned right as to why the company is hiring so fast for that role. Meaning you speak to the HR lady on Monday or the HR guy, speak to the HR person, whoever that is. Then on Wednesday, you're speaking to the hiring manager. And then on Thursday, you get an offer letter. That to me, sketchy. Sketchy, sorry, sketchy. And I know it may seem like I'm contradicting myself, but I will. Uh, I do want to fix that. I do, I do want to make my points clear because I don't want anyone to misunderstand what I'm trying to say. There's a lot of great comments, too, by the way. But most panel interviews end up being an ego contest. Or a, uh, have you ever sat at an after panel interview with a bunch of people who give their opinions? It's a waste of company resources. It you literally mean, is, because they do an hour hour panel interview, and then they do another hour discussing every candidate.
1: So it makes, so it's not, but it's not, a, a it's not a bad use of resources when you're taking, instead of those three people sitting down for one hour with a one-hour debrief, three separate hours with another one-hour debrief. Because if they were each going to interview one-on-one, they could right, potentially... They
0: but what do you get out of What do I get if I'm sitting in a panel right and I'm interviewing someone, I'm part of that panel? What am I getting when everyone else is having a conversation with the candidate and I'm just sitting there because it's about something that doesn't even involve what I care about or look for a job candidate?
1: Well, hopefully, if you're a part of that panel that you're you're you've had this discussion,
0: Again, and you're being very idealistic right now. You're just being not in, a idealistic. World in a perfect the panels
1: scenario. Go well, the panels that I've seen go well, they have a, a whole, there's a process. So you have, a, you have, um for example, you have your questions. You want to understand, okay, this is the way, this is what I'm assessing for. This is what I'm assessing for. This is what I'm assessing for. And you have your specific questions. So you're not tripping over each other. You know, who's going first, who's going second, who's going third. And the, candidate on the other side doesn't have to spend days and days or hours and hours interviewing with the same people that sometimes ask the same questions over and over again
0: comment comment. let me tell you something in intelligence asking someone the same question three different times by three different people lets me know how honest and trustworthy the answer i'm getting is
1: but you might not necessarily know if you're doing a debrief how the person responded on each question unless you're really good at it i agree I, you know what i agree with that if they're if they have a good type process and they're going through each question then that's different but i can't i don't know i don't know if that is actually happening yeah but but you don't have a
0: good type process in panels right a lot of panels that's, are that's true disaster disastrous right because You've got internal conflict within the panel because two people could like love one candidate, and at this point, they're just doing the other interviews just for the sake of doing them, right? And you can have one person who's like overly sympathetic. I mean, I've seen it all, and to me, like I think panel interviews are the worst invention in, in modern modern. Human resources, evolution. I do, I do. I think they're bad. Like we should abolish abolish panel interviews for jobs. Abolish no.
1: them. No. So Jordan says I loved mine at Raytheon. Ha ha ha. So Raytheon clearly has a good, a good, a good interview process.
0: Right. It's probably um, a bunch of army guys going. You know, what'd you do? Air Force, Navy. <laughs>
1: So when the army guys do it and the military does it, it's on point. <laughs> Other people,
0: well, think I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm just I'm I'm joking here, but I'd, I'd love to hear why he loved it. I'd love to hear why you loved it. Will Will you please tell me why you loved it?
1: So Jordan says, um, I think it gives. So he loved it. He said it gives insight into the dynamics you might be walking into. It allows me to interview the company, and, and I'm I'm gonna put. it. Other words, I'm thinking that that means interview, like the multiple panelists and get the reactions and see how they're, what they're saying. And he's laughing at us. He thinks we are hilarious.
0: A lot of people think we're funny today. <laughs> we are, we're very, very funny folks.
1: There's a show called Valuetainment that I love and it's the value, yeah, the, entertainment, to see, yeah. <laughs> the entertainment part. I don't know who's saying um, LOL here. Okay, so Jimmy says panel interviews are the norm for the public sector. Um, Yeah,
0: and let me tell you something. Let me give you something about the public sector. Yours truly is overseas. Yours truly had an issue with this passport. Yours truly should be flying home in about five hours. Instead, yours truly has to fly home in a few other days. You know why? Because we have the worst public sector State Department on planet freaking Earth. I got hung up on by the U.S. embassy in Israel on the phone. They hung up on me. They're like, we don't care. "Ah, ah." I'm like, I fund you. My taxpayer dollars fund your job that gives you a seat in a foreign nation to serve U.S. citizens. And you don't want to solve the problem that you are the only person who can solve.
1: That's kind of crazy. Are
0: you kidding me? That just tells you how ineffective public sector panel interviews are because it's all just a (laughs) bunch of morons. (laughs) Don't get me started on that. I am worked up over public sector sector right now.
1: The public sector panel interview resulted in the person hanging up (laughs) with you.
0: Literally, I had the U.S. Embassy hang up on me and my wife on the phone. They're like, not our problem. And it was a British accent.
1: That's unfortunate. When
0: I called the U.S. Embassy, I want to hear a good old Texas accent. I want to hear a California accent. The last thing I want to hear is the imperialism we liberated from in 1776.
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh my God, James, you are a blast and a half. Someone says, here, I've had some good ones and I've had some that shouldn't have happened. I don't know who is saying this, stuff. I can't seem to get my live going on LinkedIn. So please let me know who's chatting. Um, Jordan says again, it was an engineering project manager role that he took a security manager, hiring manager. Oh, so this is the panel interview. It was an, a project manager, a security manager, a hiring manager, and IT director. I got to see how they interacted with each other and how I would have interacted with them. Namdi, my buddy over here, who, by the way, I'm going to be on his podcast tomorrow. So all you security peeps, make sure to check out the tech behind FinTech tomorrow at noon Eastern on Friday. We are going to be talking about... Um, the, the the great resignation. So there's been a couple articles that have come out about people getting ready, a ton of people getting ready to quit their jobs and, and why. And it's been happening in the U.K. and if the U.S. is next. So that'll be fun. So Namdi says, I'd rather talk to everyone at once than a series of individual conversations. Seems more efficient from a time perspective.
0: Mm-hmm. From a time perspective.
1: Zoe's laughing at us. Richard Barilla, he's here. He said, "Hey, they're still going strong. Yes, sir. We're still." Here. I think Richard was here like two years ago. Um, Jordan says, "We Californians don't have accents."
0: He is laughing. You don't. But you have a different vocabulary. As a native Californian, <laughs> we have a different vocabulary. We use words to describe things that no one else in the country does, like pop. If I told, if you tell anyone what pop is, people would look at you and be like, "What?" Only Californians know what pop is.
1: But isn't that a Southern term too? Nope. No? people no, In, in South the don't South, they
0: that. call it a cola. Come oh. on, you've seen super troopers, right? Like, you know, okay. a leader of cola.
1: I thought pop was in the South. <laughs> so David Brin says, to join his point, it definitely reveals existing strife and possible issues you're walking into. I've ignored that and taken a job after such a panel interview and ended up landing right in the middle of that drama never again so
0: so, so here's here's the review on panel interviews here's kind of our assessment if this was a Yelp review it's two stars maybe two <laughs> stars on panel reviews right no like, four stars like some people like a lot of onion in their pasta sauce others don't that's where that's where it's at it's the onions
1: It's a four stars because people are saying, A, it's efficient. B, they're seeing the messiness. They're seeing the whole interaction. Yeah, McDonald's is also very efficient. (laughs) Are these people getting along or, you know, what's going on here? So anyway, off of panel interviews, (laughs) what what else are we talking about for the last couple of minutes? (laughs) I feel like when you and I are on here, it's so much more fun. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God! Richard says for next session, can cyber pros be funny at work? And he sends me. I am
0: funny all day long. All I do is joke. When people come and ask me, like, "Hey, you know," like one of our executives will call me up and be like, "Hey, James, just checking in to see how things are going." Like, I I give him like the weirdest answer. I'm like, "Listen, man, we're dealing with the Chinese, the Russians, the Iranians." the mafia. I was like, we've got the Chinese mafia, the Russian mafia, the North Korean mafia. I was like, Darian mafia. And people, people, people laugh. People yeah. laugh. It's
1: a lot of fun. You got to have fun. If you're not having fun, life's too short. So uh, Nancy says, Renee, looking forward to having you as a guest on tomorrow's episode of Tech Behind Fintech. So shameless plug, but yes, I am excited to talking about this topic post pandemic UK tech talent exodus is the U.S. next. So, that'll be- I don't
0: know. Is the U.S. next?
1: I think it is. I, I give it away. Do think we're
0: going to have a tech talent exodus in the U.S.?
1: I think people are, so what's happening is people are, wait, have been waiting, you know, they held on to their jobs during the pandemic, right, while many of them would have said, meh, you know, they may not have quit, or they may have been ready to quit or move on. And didn't. And now that it's over and, you know, the sun is shining a little bit again, it's like, okay, all that pent up, I was ready to leave, but I couldn't and I had to hang on. Now you're seeing the mass exodus of, you know, into out of companies and potentially into other companies. So it may be a wash when it's all said and done, but I think there's going to be a lot of movement coming up soon.
0: I think I think you're looking at post-pandemic and the people where the exodus is taking place is going to be in the companies that are bringing everyone back into the office. Mm-hmm. And um, people that are, or uh, employees who are uncomfortable not being in an office and want to go back and be in an organization where they feel like they're around people.
1: Mm-hmm. That's valid. Definitely. Yeah. Willie says here the panel interviews that I've gone through were effective and efficient. Some were better planned and coordinated than others. They can provide a good insight into how a candidate, particularly in consulting, might handle a room. I
0: can I can support this statement when it comes to panel interviews in consulting. Mm-hmm. I can support that. I think in other roles, I feel panel interviews are just an absolute waste. And like, look at Zoe. Zoe says it stresses her out. And Zoe is a very know. talented person. So how many, how many companies are missing out on it?
1: Oh, Zoe had another question here. Do you have to impress all of the people on the panel to get past the interview? I
0: think it's kind of like the X factor, right? Like if it's four people, you gotta impress, like you gotta get like three to Hollywood, right? Right. Yeah. You know.
1: Yeah. Can you imagine like the X factor or something where they gotta sing seven times like to each individual person?
0: The X factor is for entertainment, not livelihood. <laughs> A job interviews your livelihood. It's your career. It's what you've been studying for. It's what you've been perfecting your skills for.
1: These people are doing the same thing, same thing as No, they're not.
0: They're, 90% of the people that go to like X factor or American Idol are just in it for entertainment purposes. They're just trying to get famous. I disagree with that. I'm sorry. I disagree with
1: that. I'll take your disagreement. I'll take your disagreement.
0: These panel okay. interviews are disastrous.
1: <laughs> For you. <laughs> Jordan says he likes the X Factor comparison.
0: I No. No. What? <laughs> no. Because you know what the thing about a panel is in a panel interview? Is, um You're never going to get the real feedback. You're never going to know why you didn't move forward if you didn't move forward.
1: Well, I think you don't know why you don't move forward for all types of different reasons and I don't think it doesn't have it has anything to do with panels. Yeah, right? I think
0: on a one-on-one you're able to get more articulate feedback than than through a panel.
1: It's possible. It's Just possible. Just say it. It is possible. I mean, when you're one-on-one with a person and they're more open and flexible, you know, depending on what the company policy is, yeah, you can get some, but in others, you know, it's very, it's very, uh, um, they don't really give a whole ton of feedback because of the legal ramifications, so they kind of trained up, like, not to just ask Yeah, that's, that's the
0: other problem, it's all these legal ramifications. Too. Yeah,
1: the the legal ramifications are... It definitely matters. Okay, last point. Someone mentioned eight rounds of interviews. Is that for higher level positions? Is that the norm or indicative of an inefficient organization that would require eight levels of approval to get anything done if hired? And that's kind of, I think that question is aligned to what I was thinking through from a process perspective like, why do you need to go through so many people? Now, granted, I don't know what level that role was for, but I believe the person was relatively um, entry, so under five years experience, which makes me wonder, what what are we what are we doing? Like, why is it? Why are we going through that process as a senior level person? It makes sense that you'd be talking to your peers if you're going in as a head of security or a VP of you know something. Um, and a, you're going to have team members under you. You're going to have a team of 50 people, 75 people, and then you have to also interact with your various peers. So you're talking to the VP of marketing and the VP of finance and the VP, you know, all these other peers. It makes sense that those other peers are a part of the panel as well as obviously your boss, whoever it is you're reporting to. So if you're reporting to the CIO or the CEO or CTO, or whoever. So it makes sense that you would be meeting with more people, because these people have to check off like, okay, I can interact, I can get along with this person, or this person, this person is not a good culture fit for the company or whatever. That makes sense. But at that junior or more junior, you know, early I call it early career, that zero to five year space, to me, that's excessive. And I, I question it. And I question the process and who put it together and why.
0: And, who, and who's going to see through what, what I think as a CISO, I think as a CISO, I got asked to do a panel interview. And when I saw who was going to be on that panel interview, I refused. I just said, hey, I bow out of this one. Because mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into a room with... It's not that I don't think I should be in that room or that I've earned my way not to be in that room. I just don't like these kind of interviews. I don't. Personal, yeah. personally, I don't. I don't like to put people through them, and I don't like to go through them. I think you deal with a lot of different dynamics in a room like that. And as someone who's a public speaker who who runs rooms all the time, I don't have a problem speaking in front of a group of panels. But when it comes to a position somewhere, and, and you know you're putting different levels in a panel, and it's mis Misorganized and not planned well, and you're seeing like a VP of marketing and then an operations manager. You know, I know that someone in that room is trying to make an impression, and I'm going to be the guy who they're going to try to make their impression on. Mm. And I don't want to be in that position.
1: Definitely a perspective. So Kurt lost the LinkedIn feed, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, Kurt, we're about to run anyway because it's at the 2 p.m. mark. Zoe says, um, I feel like those shows are rigged. Like when, the last, when was the last time an X Factor person actually got fan? I don't even watch X Factor, to tell you the truth. I don't watch
0: X Factor. I don't watch TV at all. Read a book.
1: <laughs> I did see that little 10-year-old kid who had a voice like Celine Dion on America's Got Talent. He was, oh, my God, unbelievable. Little, uh, little boy from the Philippines. Jordan said, maybe a tangent, how would you view an interview with a subordinate in one of the rounds? So don't mind those. I think that those are cool. I've been in those, I've been the subordinate um, and I think it's a good way to understand the team. So if you're going to be managing people and um, typically that person's weight um, isn't as uh isn't as strong as the other. So say the subordinate doesn't like, says, oh, I don't like, you know, this person isn't gonna be a good fit. And the rest of the leaders say, oh, this person's gonna be great. The subordinates, um, you know, their rating or ranking or whatever, isn't as, doesn't really hold as much weight. So folks, I like this AMA, this was a lot of fun. Thank you, James Azar from um, coming in, chiming in here. From Israel doing your thing. Hopefully you are back in the state soon. And I'll be
0: back this weekend. Thanks <laughs> to cool. screaming at uh, you know, thanks to a um, dysfunctioning State Department.
1: Yeah. That 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 kind of sucks. That totally sucks. Yeah. So we will see you next week. We will see everyone next week back here, 1 p.m. Eastern, um on Thursdays. See so Thursdays. Hopefully with the whole group. Hopefully. See you later, Jane. Cheers. Bye. Bye, everybody.